0: This is the Self-Help Place podcast, the show that provides real self-help for everyone. Created and hosted by Dan Dyson. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Self-Help Place podcast. This is episode 16 and today we're going to be talking about overthinking and how to stop doing that. This is a big topic, this one. Um, Something that we all do. And it's just exhausting, isn't it? We just think about things in endless circles and it, it just ties us out beyond belief. Now, there are people, sadly, who are pathological overthinkers. They just cannot stop themselves doing so. But the average person tends to just overthink things from time to time. So let's look at some characteristics of overthinking. Now, we've all had those times where we feel like we should have done something or we should not have done something or we we ponder what if what if i did that what if i didn't do that or say that things like that it tends to i tend to see it happen mostly when we meet somebody or we have seen someone we haven't seen for a long time and we go oh why did i say that i wish i had done this and uh, and we tend to like pick situations and people apart and think ah oh, if i'd only done this this would have happened and it just it just becomes a cycle and it really really those things you're thinking about are just non-existent and even if they even if those things like oh did i say something that annoyed somebody even if they did it's it's less exhausting to the person you've annoyed to be annoyed than it is for you to overthink if that makes sense so really it's it's just a very exhausting and destructive thing uh, in general um now, there are people who are pathological overthinkers, like they cannot help themselves but to do that, and that's a whole different thing. Uh, but the average person tends to overthink things from time to time. You know, we might have phases of it where we just... We have certain situations where we overthink, and then we have situations where we don't. And you might find that for some people, you might have... Some people have different triggers for overthinking than others. One person might overthink something in a social situation uh while the other person doesn't and is like no no it's fine and then you might have that other person overthinking about something else or when it comes to like a relationship or family or just all work scenarios you know there's there's lots of lots of different individual triggers for overthinking but it can also be quite deep you know we can all, you can get that kind of overthinking pattern where you think those deep things like what does it all mean and what's the meaning of life you know the the, the typical deep questions we all tend to ask ourselves you know th- we have like existential crises sometimes and it's it's all very part of the human mind to do that so the the problem the problem arises really when it just dominates most of our lives or it just dominates our happiness and well-being and just 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 mental health in general really um and one one of the main things that we do to keep this cycle going of overthinking is that we confuse overthinking with problem solving. Now those are actually two different things. Problem solving is just a tool that you use at the time, and then once it's done, it's done. But the difference between, the main difference, I mean as obvious as, as this sounds is that overthinking is when you overdo it. you know, you you've solved a problem. Or you're trying to solve a problem but then you just go a bit too far into things that don't really matter, you know, things that you tend to just be stuck on and it's deep down you kind of know there's no, you don't need to think about this but you just can't help yourself but to overthink. So the main thing with overthinking is that it takes us away from the present. Now you might be overthinking something that's happening you know like there'll be a certain situation you're in but it's actually taking away from the present so that should be your first indicator that to be aware of is that it really takes you away from what's happening so when I go on to how to stop overthinking a little bit later on we'll touch on how overthinking really doesn't have a solid base to go off and I'll explain that a little bit later on. Okay, so why do we overthink? Like, what's the actual point? Like, we know it is not good for us. Like, sometimes we we get reassurance from someone else saying, I know and you you say things like, I know I'm overthinking it, but what do you think about this? You notice that if you look at that a little bit more carefully, think you know, think about it. I know I am overthinking. But do you still think yada, yada, yada? You know, we still seek that reassurance despite being aware. So why do we do that? You know, why don't we just stop at that self-awareness and go, oh, you know what? I'm overthinking, never mind. And I'm going to answer that with a little anecdote about how I came to learn to curb my overthinking and that habit in general. So in a previous podcast, I did talk about that on a couple of occasions I did go and visit Buddhist monasteries to stay in meditation retreats and I did one in Thailand and I did one here in the UK in a forest near Birmingham. So when I was in Thailand I stayed in a a, a very strict monastery called Wat Ram Poeng, and Wat is the Thai word for temple. So it was a temple, not sure what Ram Poeng means but you can Try and Google that if you like. I'll, <laughs> I'm gonna put I'll put the, in the description to save you uh, trying to spell what I just said uh, for those of us who are not as familiar with Thai. Anyway, so I stayed there initially. I was supposed to stay there for a month, but sadly, I only got four days out of it because I had a health issue I had to deal with at the time. Now, I I stayed to do the, uh, a retreat, and it and the reason I said it's one of the strictest monasteries is because well, it was. I mean, it was a, again. For those of you who have listened to the podcast where I talk about dealing with anxiety from a Buddhist monk's perspective, go and listen to that. Um, It should hopefully give you some insights into that world, uh, the world of meditation and how it's dealt with. But um, it followed the same routine. So it was one meal a day before. Well, actually, no. Actually, this one, it was two meals. It was one early morning around 6 a.m. And there was one... Uh, just before noon, which is more of a luxury <laughs> compared to the the other one, where it was just the one meal I, I stayed at. So there were the other normal kind of monastic rules and precepts and things like that. And again, in the previous episode, you'll hear all about why these precepts and rules were in place and why there's only one meal a day and why there was a, a bed with a very, very thin mattress or you slept on the floor, that kind of thing. And you did meditation all day the one thing you do learn about being by yourself doing meditation is that you learn what your mind does when it's not distracted. We have no real chance to be really with our own self for more than an hour a day, really, because, you know, we get up, we've got work, we've got all sorts of things going on, social interactions, we talk a lot. We have days where we don't as much, but we tend to like watch YouTube or watch movies, Netflix, games, or whatever distractions that you like to do and uh, distractions don't mean i don't want to put uh, a meaning of that being meaningless you know distractions can be very good but distractions in the perspective of mindfulness and meditation you know it's you have to kind of face yourself so yeah what happens when you don't have these distractions what happens when you are literally just on your own being aware of your mind all day every day it's extremely difficult at first because you're so used to going to various entertainments and things to think about. So what you know what you notice actually the first thing that happens is you 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 draw attention to what's going on in your head like your thoughts and feelings and memories and that just gets louder and louder and louder and progressively louder. It's almost like your mind's trying to fill in the gap that you left when you stopped filling up your mind with the distractions in the first place. So that was the the first thing I noticed about just how loud everything was in there. Now quite a common misconception of meditation is that you you have to, in order for your meditation to be successful, you, your mind has to be empty of thoughts. No, try, try and move away from that sort of thinking if you have that idea because, well, one, there's no such thing as successful and unsuccessful meditation. There's just meditation because it's just being mindful of what you are. There's no way that you can really have success in that. And on the other side of things, they say that trying to get thoughts out of your mind is like trying to iron water like using a using a flat iron to st- like straighten water out all you end up doing is just disturbing the water more it's a very very useful analogy and, and, and that's all it is you know thoughts are there whether you like it or not you know you it's like when you know the famous phrase don't think about this chicken or don't think about a chicken and first thing you do is think about a chicken like it it's just how we work so uh, in meditation practice you learn to just be aware of them that's all you have to do oh that's another thought it's fine it's about it's developing something called equanimity so anyways so going on to about distractions and overthinking and things like that so the overthinking increased and again, this is where people can get put off because you think, hang on a minute, I'm not peaceful. I'm just, it's getting louder. But you have to keep going because that is the first, that is the first thing. It's like you, your mind is almost like a small child. It's like if you just all of a sudden don't have any toys to play with, it it tries to get attention from you. You know, it, or it tries to make noise or run around or cry or things like that, but you just carry on. Then what you start to notice and be more aware of is this roller coaster of emotions and feelings and thoughts that we all go through in everyday life. You know, we have days where we feel happy and joyful and great. We have days where we feel depressed, we feel sad or hopeless. And that is completely, utterly normal. It's something we all experience. However, we tend to think that our moods are affected by what we do in the day, what happens to us, you know. If our partner leaves us, it's very sad. If we get a promotion at work, it makes us happy. If we uh, make new friends, it makes us happy. And of course, we, we associate our mental being with what happens in the world. It's like they are inseparable. But here's the punchline. They are separable. A common phrase I hear from people who don't practice meditation or don't really understand it is, what good comes out of sitting on the floor and Closing your eyes and doing nothing and thinking nothing. Like, what good does that do? And that's a totally understandable perspective because we associate things happening with action. You know, if you just sit there and do nothing, it's almost like a laziness, isn't it? You just, you're not doing anything. But, folks, let me tell you on this podcast, This is what comes out of sitting on the floor and closing your eyes. If you do it for long enough, you start to notice that there's actually no real connection between the outside world and things that happen to you and your mental well-being. Because even with no distractions and nothing going on, you still go through that roller coaster. You still have moments where you feel happy and you don't know why. You go through the moments where you feel depressed and sad. You don't really know why. Or sometimes it, you might just do it on your own. You think about something in the past and it affects your mood. And that was a bit of a eureka moment for me because I realised, hang on a minute, that's what they mean when they're talking about inner peace and money doesn't buy happiness, things like that. It's not that these things, like money doesn't buy happiness. Like That's something I'll come on to another podcast probably, but that's the thing. Money technically does buy happiness. You know, if you want a new car or if you want this that and the other and you buy it it brings happiness right that's not what the phrase means the phrase means that happiness is not directly correlated with if i've said that word right with money you know money and happiness doesn't necessarily is not necessarily a concrete thing you can be perfectly happily without money i mean depending on your situation depending on your mental framing and that's that's the idea, it's the perspective on it, you know? So, going back to overthinking, have you ever had those moments when you're feeling pretty down about yourself, you're pretty depressed or sad or something, but for some reason, you just increase that feeling naturally, like your mind starts to think about all the negative things people have said about you. Or you might say, you might have that self-talk that goes, oh, that, that person, what that person said about you in the past is right. You are this, that and the other. Or you might even think about sad moments in movies or something like that. It's like your mind tries to make you more sad. And surely the first thing we want to do is just stop that and then go into things that make us happy, which of course we sometimes do. But we just have those moments sometimes where the sadness accumulates because we try to make ourselves more sad. Why do we do that? So I wondered this, actually, and the reason we do is because sometimes our mind enjoys any kind of activity, regardless of whether it's positive or negative. So we all feel good when we feel happy, obviously, Um, but there are times when we feel bad, but really deep down in the depths there, we're actually like that. We like feeling sorry for ourselves sometimes. And it doesn't. you don't have to be a toxic person, quote unquote, to be like that. That's quite a natural thing. So I started to notice that sometimes I quite enjoy feeling down. Some, And again, don't get me wrong, sometimes. And I, I stress that quite a lot because there are times where it's horrible. And there are people, sadly, who suffer from um, things like depression um, on varying scales where there's a lot more factors involved apart from what our minds are doing you know there's there's uh biochemistry and things like that that's a totally kind of different area for the majority of cases if you some of you might be listening to this and think actually yeah um weirdly i do notice that i do enjoy feeling sorry for myself sometimes and it's it's weird isn't it and that's because we we enjoy a good distraction we enjoy some kind of mental activity it's like having a dog that's been waiting around all day to go on a walk and it finally goes on a walk and it just sprints and runs everywhere and our minds are kind of like that we crave stimulation we're so used to being distracted and having stimulation that when we deprive our minds of stimulation actually what we do is that it we make our own entertainment weirdly and even when we're in the world of distraction we don't necessarily have to be on a meditation retreat um we do notice sometimes that our mind can just be bored. (laughs) As weird as it is to say, we can just be bored sometimes and we can just have a bit of a sulk and it just feels great. Um, And it's a very strange thing. So going back to the main topic of overthinking, I found, at least for me, that my overthinking was on the very base level, it was just stimulation is what my mind was needing. Now, that was the very very base of everything let's go a step up so for those of us like I was who worried about everything like oh what if I did that what if what if I did that wrong and then that causes all sorts of problems to happen and you're worrying about every single situation at every time in every place so let's what is that and all that is is a mental habit and it's it's I make it sound like it's something weak or small. It's not. Mental habits drive most of our lives. It's not permanent. So the good news is anyone who chronically worries out there, it's not a permanent. You can take your life back from this thing. It's just a mental habit that can be broken. But it is a lot like starting at the gym. It takes time, it takes effort, and you have to be patient with it. You can train your brain to look at life from a different perspective. So going off what I said about stimulation and craving and things like that, that is just the base to be aware of. And what that does, if you really take that in, if you really notice it for yourself, so again, don't pay attention necessarily to what I've just said, but just bear that in mind and have a look at your own mind and you might find the same thing. And if you do, what it kind of does is it just takes the edge off overthinking a bit because you start to realise it doesn't really have a base, you know your mind just wants a bit of a play sometimes uh, on, in some circumstances where we're feeling negative or overthinking. Overthinking comes in that category. I, I mentioned that a lot of it was about negative self-talk or feeling down and wanting to feel more down uh, in a weird way, but it also comes in the category of overthinking. Uh, it becomes a mental habit, so we want to fulfil that habit. We want to have that stimulation. But to overcome that overthinking um replace the thought you know at the end of the day our minds will go on just being distracted uh or try the thinking and you know, fantasizing and feeling and all this kind of thing that that will always happen and that's absolutely fine that's that's not the problem in itself. that is the very level of what it does. What meditation does is train you to see it as it is you know and it, it loses its power over you when you actually see for what it is. It is just one of those things that it should never really be taken seriously. It arises, it falls away. So what you do is you replace the thought you don't try and get rid of thoughts, you replace the thought. If you tell yourself not to have a thought, like I said uh, previously, it's not the way to have it. Because all you're doing um, is, by not wanting something, you're still kind of hanging on to it. And it's it's a very strange way of putting it, really. But if you really think about it, it, it's how we work. So, similar to the example I gave earlier. So, when I say... Stop thinking about pink elephants. The first thing you think about is pink elephants. So instead of saying, no, mind, don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it, think of a red tortoise. As weird as that sounds, because what that does is that it replaces the image. You're not really thinking about pink elephants anymore. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, I can see a red tortoise. You replace that image. So in the same way, you talk yourself out of your self-talk or your overthinking by noticing when you're stuck in your head first of all so again it's it's almost a meditative thing in that aspect you just just awareness it comes from awareness it's being perfectly aware and understanding again going back to my story about uh your mind wanting stimulation be self-understanding be self compassionate. don't beat yourself up for overthinking just say okay this is it's the normal thing for the mind to do is to think and feel and fantasize and you know and it's also normal to overthink but overthinking chronically is a habit just notice it just notice that you're stuck in your head um, um you know the, the phrase oh I'm, i I got in my head It's it's very it's a very good analogy i think because it's it just shows you that you do get stuck in that overthinking pattern You can tame that overthinking habit if you do start taking a grip on your self-talk, you know, the inner voice that provides that running monologue throughout the day and even into the night. You have to just be aware of it. And and instead of just saying, stop talking, stop talking, stop thinking that never works. Um, Our minds work differently to things in the world. We we have to replace that and change that, quote unquote, inner voice, not to sound like a guru here, but that's, that's literally what we have to do. But you see, so far, what everything I've told you so far does is it cultivates psychological distance. So what I mean by that is that you stop grasping onto every little thing that goes through your head, every thought you stop taking so seriously because you realize it's just a thought. It's it's something that arises and passes away. Again, going back to meditation, that's exactly what meditation does. It trains you to be aware that these things just happen They arise and pass on their own. I'll say that again because I can't stress how important that is. Thoughts, feelings, emotions, everything, it all arises and passes away on its own. You don't even have to do anything and it will go away. You can never be permanently in one emotion or thought or feeling and you'll be amazed actually and you know you probably had times in your life that you have you probably had traumatic events that you think about sometimes but you have it's never a permanent thing isn't it even with like people who've been through all sorts of things you'll notice that it's never just a permanent line. Yeah, of course, it can come back more frequently for some people, but it always comes back in blots, in blotches. It's like, okay, it's gone. Oh, it's back. Oh, it's gone. And worrying's the same thing. You'll notice you're worried about something, and even the fat lasts days, and then you stop, and then it comes back again. Nothing ever lasts permanently. They arise and pass away on their own. So as soon as you realise that, as soon as you're aware of that process, you start to go, actually, this, this is like, this is normal. To take an analogy of speeding cars, which this is an analogy I like very much, it's when imagine you're standing on the side of a road and the cars are speeding past and you really like one particular car. Now on the road, what you do, you go, oh, look at that, it's a Lamborghini, oh, look at that, it's a Mustang. And you're like, oh, that's nice. And then that's it. You don't spend the whole day talking about it, unless you're a massive car enthusiast, but that's that's defeating the object of this analogy here. But normally you would just see a nice car or you'd see an ugly car and that's it and you'd move on. And it's the same thing here. You wouldn't go out and try and chase the car. You just get hit by other cars or you just you just end up in a right mess. And we do the same thing on our heads though. We just try and chase all these little thoughts and feelings. Oh, should I do this? Should I do that? What if? It's the normal process of the mind to do that. But Again, it's all about bringing it home. You realize that you're overthinking, you're aware of this talk, and that's when you start to replace it and change it and develop that psychological distance is the first step. The process of changing this habit is something called cognitive restructuring. So, the next thing I want to do is ask yourself what's the probability that what I'm scared of will actually happen? And it's something you might have heard your friends or family say when you're worried about something. What's the worst that could happen? That kind of thing. But it's a very, very, very healthy question to ask. What is the worst that that could happen? Sometimes it doesn't help, though. Sometimes you think, well, that could happen, and that's a huge problem. And then you worry more about it. It reinforces it. But the trick to really handling that question, what's the worst that could happen, is trusting that you will handle whatever comes your way. You might be able to remember times where you worried like crazy over something. Like, it might have been an exam or, you know, something happening in your life that was quite substantial. Now, you might have almost forgotten about that thing. I guarantee you, you will have had events in the past that you were really worried about or even lost sleep over that you can't even rem- remember because you dealt with it and that's the key thing you will deal with it even if you have the lowest self-esteem you're the lowest you could go with self-esteem you will still deal with it because that is our human nature we're adaptable we adapt to things even if you think you can't and i wrote a blog post about this called how i solved my anxiety with a tennis ball go and have a read on that on the self help place website um, but the the essential thing on that blog was, you can just handle whatever comes to it. you. You have this unconscious side of of you that just is just gets on with it, just handles it. You of course you go through emotions. Things are shocking. Things are traumatic. You know. Then things are, can be so traumatic that it causes things like post traumatic stress disorder. But on the whole, the things that we go through, we can handle. We can deal with it. But we don't think that at the time. And it's 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 something I've always wondered. Why do I worry so much about this? Yet I know I can handle it in the future. But that's again that's part of the mental habit, that cognitive restructuring where what's the worst that could happen, and you think about the worst and say, look, I'll just handle it. Like for example, uh, what's the worst thing that happen? What's the worst thing that could happen if you lost your job? Well, worst thing is I can't pay bills. I lose my home. Uh, my family or my wife leaves me or something and takes the children. Like, it's worst case scenarios. It could even be personal failure. But what we do, we stop there. Our worry just goes, okay, yeah, I'm satisfied. I'm terrified. I don't want to ever, ever even touch that. No, no, I'm done thinking about it. No, 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 carry on. What happens then? Okay, so you lost your home. You try and get, you try and go for some help. You contact a friend to stay at their place until you get back on, on your feet. You assess your options and you handle it from there and you can read i mean i'm sure everybody has read or heard of stories of absolute disaster that's been overcome and in some cases they're even happier than they were before like th- that that bad time actually freed them and the problem with overthinking and it's something i'd be daring to say here majority of the time a good 99.9% of the time the worry the chronic worrying the chronic overthinking is actually feels worse than the worst-case scenario even happening. I mean, again, give or take with common sense, that's, you know, not always the case. I mean, I've very, I've never lost a child and never lost anyone to very unfortunate circumstances, and I cannot imagine the pain that goes through that. I'm talking about everyday things that are worst-case scenario, like losing a job or, you know, um, embarrassing yourself or your partner breaking up with you, things like that. Sometimes... These things have unexpected results, you know. We picture, like I said before, we stop at the worst case. Our timeline of worrying stops when that bad thing's happening. Have you noticed that? Look beyond that. You'll find that when the worst thing actually happens, or if that ever happens to you in your life, think back very briefly to that worrying about it. Because you don't know. And that is the. there is no worse feeling for us human beings than not knowing. It's horrible absolutely horrible and there was a number of times where I've done shows in the past as a musician where the abs- I was terrified because I was like I really don't 100% know this material the worst thing that could happen is I drop a stick or I lose where I am in the song and I stop and and it actually happened and yeah it was not pleasant at all it was cringeworthy and I didn't want to look <laughs> at people cringing at me but then it was done And I looked back, I remember looking back and the the clue here is that I don't even fully remember what the situation was. That gives you a clue of how not important some of these things are. And I looked back and I thought worrying about that was way worse. I was just relieved to get it out of the way. I was relieved that the mistake had been made. And that's a very, again, be aware of that. Have a look at that in your own life. And as I say, always on this podcast, it starts with you. It starts with being aware of that. Okay, so, so far we've talked about overthinking in terms of being a mental habit. You know, I talked about how our mind does crave some kind of stimulation, whether it's good or bad, and then a mental habit, a strong mental habit of that is overthinking. We've talked about cognitive restructuring, so things like worst-case scenarios that we chronically worry about and we get in our heads about things and actually really sometimes... Worrying about it just feels worse than the outcome, even if it's a bad outcome. So let's actually talk about ways that we can overcome this overthinking, way we can override this habit. The very first thing I would suggest is a journal. Every night or every morning or both, write down what's going on in your head and and really just be aware of that and just just, just process it. What I suggest here is, first of all, write what's in your head. Just get it down. It doesn't matter what format it is. It doesn't matter what words. You can, you can swear all you like in it. Just get everything in your head onto paper. Then once you've got that, you then start changing the perspective. They say one of the techniques to get rid of negative self-talk is that every time you think something bad about yourself, think two good things about yourself to reinforce that habit. Same kind of thing here. So, for example, you might have written down, oh, I'm, I'm terrified, I'm about to lose my job. So, look at that for a second. What is that like what why like what 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 is it specifically that's making you worry? so you translate that underneath it or next to it as "I worry that I'm insufficient" or "I fear my colleagues don't like me," or "I fear that I'm not good enough in my job so our mind likes to cluster little problems together into a big group, which which might not, and, and the title of this group of problems might not always be related to the original problem. So really work out what the problem is. And don't forget, it doesn't have to be worries. It might just be negative talk, like you might have written, I'm stuck in my career, or I feel I'm in a dead end job. So next to that, you, you would write something like, I want a job where I feel more engaged. And as as basic if it, as this sounds this is absolutely essential because what this does is that yeah you may well know that your that you need a job where you feel more engaged it might seem obvious to you but what you're trying to do here is overwrite that mental habit of i'm stuck i don't know what to do you know you would know what to do once you write down the different perspective of your problems. Like, again, stuck in my career, I want a job where I feel more engaged. And then what from then? You can make a plan. Like, instead of saying I'm stuck in my career, where does that go? That doesn't really go anywhere, does it? But when you write, I want a job where I feel more engaged, you can then make a plan to expand your skill set. You can network and look for opportunities for a better career. And I guarantee you that feels a whole lot better than going to bed feeling you're stuck in your career. If you say... I want a job where I feel more engaged so I'm I have this plan to look for better opportunities. Then that's your first step towards making a change and actually changing that. So it's about finding a constructive way of processing worries, negative thoughts and things like that. So having having thoughts written down in a journal every night before bed as a brain dump, you just it doesn't have to be in order, you just write down whatever you're feeling. Um, it can just it can be also be just the fact just the act of writing down what's going on in your head is a relief in itself. It's all of a sudden, oh, I don't have to worry about it. Sometimes I noticed with myself is that if I write a worry down, I all of a sudden don't have to hold on to it. I feel like I hold on to it because I feel like if I don't worry about it, I'll forget it. But if I've written it down, I know I'm going to look at it again. I don't worry as much about it. So that is the absolute very first step, I think. It's, it's, it's journaling. It's writing every down every night or every morning or whatever works for you to start to make sense of what's going on in your own mind. The next thing to do is, whenever you have moments of overthinking, try and bring yourself back to the present. Now, you don't have to go all new age, or you don't have to do any kind of practice. You can if you want. If that helps, of course, do it. But it can be as simple as just connecting with your senses, with what you hear, see, smell, taste, and feel, any of those. And to reconnect with your immediate world and everything around you, you you what happens is you begin to just notice the present, and you spend less time in your head. You you you're bringing yourself out of your head, and this seems like a small step, but small steps go long ways. I think it was the thousand miles begins with a single step. That's a very very famous quote. I couldn't tell you exactly who quoted that because there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of misquoted quotes out there. But anyway, that's besides the point. You can also physically talk yourself out of it sometimes. You just like, sometimes you might say like, I'd say like, Dan, I can see that you're doing it again. You're overthinking. Just again, it's, it's, it's bringing that awareness to the present. Okay, um, I'm thinking this is exactly what's happening right now. A good way to reconnect is also taking a walk where you can. Um, so, you know, you could say something like, oh, I'm overthinking, but what's happening right now? Where am I? And again, you could you could argue this is a form of distraction. Distractions can also be very good. Sometimes you need distraction. So you need distraction about something like overthinking is a habit. You can't if you engage with it, it increases that. Again in a strange kind of analogy, it's like having a small child in your head that constantly wants attention because it's bored. You just go no, you, and, w- and what do you do? What, what do you? Um, I see parents just leaving children alone that do that. Like, look, you want attention. I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to. I'm not going to train you to feel that every time you're bored want attention, you're going to get it. No, you have to deal with it yourself. And that's kind of what, you, in a weird way, it's kind of what you're training your mind to do. You're training your mind to just. Go okay, that's happening. I'm not going to pay attention to you, but I'm just going to do something else. And it is hard. It gets easier, a bit easier with time, if you regularly practice that when you overthink. But like taking a walk, for example, even though it's always a um, having a good walk makes you feel better. That's why it just takes you, brings you, sorry, back to the present. If you have to do this when you're overthinking a couple of times a day, then do it a couple of times a day. If you overthink a thousand times a day then do this a thousand times a day. Whenever you overthink or chronically worry, bring it back. It's a training. It takes patience, it takes practice, but with time, you'll be able to easily recognise when you're worrying unnecessarily and then choose instead to do something in real life rather than spending a lot of time just stuck in your head there. And that, that is the absolute key thing. It's awareness and practice, and over time, it loses its power over you. It's possible. And if you're sitting there right now and thinking, well, that might be good for other people, but for me, I'm I'm too far gone, I'm worrying too much. No, 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 you can do it. You just have to start and you have to practice and it takes a lot of patience. It is difficult. Like the gym, as we all know, when the new year comes around, we all go new year, new me, and we all go to the gym for two weeks and then we just stop. And this is the thing, the people who are able to progress and really reach the goals is people who stick with it consistency sets you free. That is what's going to get you out of this. Consistent practice and patience are the two golden nuggets of this if you like, if that's that's a I couldn't think of a better word to say for that to be honest. So um let's run a few more examples. So instead of saying I can't believe this happened, change it to what can I do to prevent it from happening again? Or convert, ah oh, I don't have any good friends, uh, I've lost all my friends to what steps could I take to deepen the friendships that I have, or find new ones. You see, all you're doing is changing that inner talk, and there's a lot of talk about this, (laughs) ironically, there's a lot of talk about this, but um, there's a reason why there's so much talk about it, and it's the same reason I started this podcast and the Self-Help Place website, is because it's possible, you can do it. And just remember to give yourself some credit, it's not easy. Changing any kind of habit, things like smoking, uh, eating too much... Uh, Changing your destructive thought patterns like we're talking about now, they're all challenging. They're really, really hard to do, but it's not impossible and you can do it. I, for one, is someone who has managed to overcome previous negative thought patterns and destructive thought patterns and behaviours. And this is the whole reason I started this podcast in the first place, is to tell and remind people that you can do it. And the final point on today is you may find that doing this is too hard. You might find overthinking is actually ruining your life and you think you're spiraling into depression because of your thoughts and you just feel totally powerless against them. It pays to get professional help. Never, ever, ever, ever avoid getting therapy or professional help when you think you need it. It's so sad that in previous generations there was a, some kind of stigma against getting help because its it does wonders. You know, there are people out there who can help you with this. Absolutely perfectly okay to go and seek help. I'd say go anyway. If you're even thinking about it, go and do it. I mean, I did, and it completely changed my life around. I mean, I don't even... I'm I'm the totally different person to who I was back uh, a good five years ago now before I got help, but help just gave me the right direction, I guess. Sometimes you don't know where to start. Sometimes you have thinking patterns that just drain all energy out of you and you just don't know how on earth you're going to make any kind of impact on it. But that's what professional help does it helps you to make that starting point and to support you on the, along the way. I had a therapist for eight months. I did cognitive behavioral therapy and I had my therapist to fall back on whenever I was really struggling to give me some direction. And eight months later, I came out the other side and pff, just a world of difference. So it's never, ever hesitate to get help. That's all I think that is. If you're going to take anything out of today, take that. Go and get some professional help should you feel like you you want to try it or you feel like you need it. Okay, that's everything for today. So just to do a quick recap on overthinking. Overthinking is normal. It's something that everybody does, but sometimes it gets so bad it becomes a bad mental habit that ends up just spoiling our joy and can even sometimes lead to ruining our lives. So, But it isn't impossible to change. Just remember... How your mind behaves, you know. We do like to sometimes overthink. You know, we 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 sometimes we like to think about positive. Obviously, we like to we even in sometimes enjoy thinking about the negative. But our minds are always wanting some kind of distraction, and that can lead to that habit of overthinking. It's that kind of over stimulus, if you like. So, and the way to change it is to age cognitive restructuring. So be aware of it. Write a journal, keep a journal, and write in it every night and every morning, uh, either or, and just write down everything that's going on in your head. And then pinpoint those themes, like whether it be worry or negative talk, and then change the perspective. And that's it. It's a, it's your own mental training, your own self-help into bringing yourself back to not overthinking things and then what you'll start to notice you might not see anything happen for a while but then one day you'll just be going out and you think I used to overthink about that situation now I re- now I'm so aware of it I'm so used to being aware of it it just doesn't have any power so you forget about it and it's it's it feels miraculous that something that just took over your life so much some time ago now has very little effect on it you just be become aware of it it's a bit uncomfortable you've forgotten about it So that is possible. Um, I've done it. And it's the whole reason I've started this whole thing in the first place is to show you that it is possible. No matter how bad it might seem for you, you can change it. You just have to make a start and get professional help if you would like to or you feel you need to either or again. Thank you very much for listening today. Um, My regular guest, Dave Norris, will be back this Friday and we're going to talk about another no-doubt insightful topic. So until then, take care of yourselves and bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit the website, theselfhelpplace.com, for more information.